cooking, new plants, and oh God's just adding and doing wonderful things. And I've also got Maria with me and Christine, and they are with me in the Millie's congregation. Um, we also just planted recently, we had our launch last week. Today was our second service. Um, I'm, I used to be part of the Sunning Up Here congregation for the last couple of years, but now I'm in Milneton. I'm a deaconess in the church. I'm also an advocate. Um, I work full-time for an organization called Freedom of Religion South Africa, or Forest Eye, which um, basically fights for religious freedom in South Africa. Um, and it's an incredible privilege for me to be using my legal skills in the service of the Lord. But that's not why I'm here this evening. We are going to talk about prophecy tonight. And I... I love the gift of prophecy. Honestly, it's your, I think it's God's love language. It's because prophecy is just God speaking his heart and his mind over people. And who wouldn't want to hear what this amazing, good, faithful, loving, strong, generous, wise, majestic, sovereign, in control. <laughs> You know, and not all of you, just to set the expectations, we're not going to prophesy over all of you and then we would be here past the curfew hours. <laughs> but you know, so often, God has spoken a prophetic word over someone, and I'm like, Yo, that's actually for me as well. And then I'm like, thank you, God, I'll take that. <laughs> thank you, God, I'll take that. So even if you don't get a personal word tonight, open your heart and say, God, come speak to me. Come speak to me intimately. Come speak to me personally. And it will, because it's good and it's God who speaks. He's a God who loves to speak. So open your hearts wide. And I don't know we do this, but I just felt to share something of my, of my testimony, actually, as part of the intro. I know we're speaking about the prophetic, but I actually met God today. <laughs> I'm 16 years ago. In a in an English church environment where I knew a lot about God, but I didn't know him. I knew the stories in the Bible, but I I didn't have a relationship with him. I didn't know that I could speak with him and then expect him to speak back to me. To really have a tangible experience of his love, of his strength, of you're just this nearness with him. I didn't know that. So yeah, grew up in kind of that environment and then went to university and walked away from the Lord and actually became an agnostic and believed that if God exists, he's probably a man in the moon, you know, not very interested in our, or involved in our lives here on earth and just really gave myself to the pleasures of the world. Um, and alcohol was my drug. I loved getting drunk and out of control and all that stuff. But you know what? That, as the word says, sin leads to sin. It's been to sin and ultimately lead to death. And so it was for me, because in my spirit, in my soul, like the more I was running after pleasure, the less I actually had peace in my heart. The more broken I became, the more I realized like, Yo, there's a hole in my heart that I'm trying to stuff with all these things and, and nothing is helping. <laughs> like it was just actually um, highlighting that I still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> And that was me for a good 10 years. And while on the outside, it seemed like I had everything together, I um, quickly started making a name for myself in the legal fraternity. Yo, on the inside, I was broken. 
I was lost. I had such a sense of shame over me, just the places I'd been, the things I'd done. Um, you're just lost, just lost, lost, lost. And you know, today, 16 years ago, someone invited me to do a Josh team. And I remember just walking through the door and just crying because I had such a sense of just coming home. Just coming home. And I remember, um, oh, I don't actually remember much what, what was said that night. And I didn't give my life to the Lord that particular night, but the next day, um, friends, the friends invited me to church. They, they said to me, well, you know the gospel. <laughs> and you need to actually make a choice now. You actually need to decide, are you going to follow Jesus or are you going to follow your way? And the word of the world. And honestly, I said to the Lord, I said to the Lord, Lord, here are the broken pieces of my life. <laughs> if you can make something of this, have a go. And it almost was like a little bit of a, I guess, like a challenge to the Lord. And boy, did he have a go. <laughs> did he have a go. You know, in that moment, when I, when I dove my life to Jesus and just said, Lord, I surrender. I'm going with the peace that flooded my heart. You know, in a moment, just... His forgiveness, His mercy for my sin, where I deserve judgment, just mercy washing over me. Where I was someone who at that point felt extremely just lonely, your God added me into family. You became a father to me. And He added me into family. Where I was broken, where I was actually quite depressed, and at that point seeing a psychologist and um, actually quite suicidal. The joy that filled my heart. had a different experience of, of the prophetic, um, we, different expressions that you've seen, experiences of the prophetic, not always healthy, and oftentimes um, maybe even abused, where people or churches prophesy health, wealth, and happiness. 
You know, I was in Zambia some, some years ago and I saw like literally advertised your profit, PH, for your profit, FIT. <laughs> isn't that often what we see on TV or often what we see in churches around us? And then can you like there's a thing in us like, no, if that's what it is, I'd rather not, not go close to it. And so there is these abuses often of the power gifts, the healing gifts, even the prophetic. Um, but just because something is abused doesn't mean we should throw it out altogether. The antidote to abuse isn't non-use, but correct use, proper use. And so it's so important that we have a proper biblical understanding of the gifts of the Spirit, of the supernatural, which is intended to be a blessing, not something that causes people hurt or harm or causes them to, to run away. So, or causes them anxiety even. So let's start right at the beginning. What is prophecy? Now, if we could put up Romans 12, this 4 to 8, let's start there. So Romans 12 is 4 to 8. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So let's jump to the other ones. We get very much the same thread in 1 Corinthians 12. Not going to read the whole one, it's 31 verses. We'll get the gist of it. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Um... Okay, let's jump to verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Speaking about the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one. Okay, not to some. To each one. So if you're here tonight, then you're included in that. To each one. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So you don't have to wonder you have a spiritual gift. You have a spiritual gift because that's what the word says. The question is just sometimes to find out what the gift is. Okay? But each one has been given a gift by the Spirit. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. And so it carries on. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and it gives them to each one, just as He determines. Okay, we can end it there. So what we see in these scriptures, two scriptures from, or two sets of scriptures from confirming the same thing, that the Holy Spirit gives different gifts, that means abilities, spiritual abilities, to the New Testament church. In other words, to believers who make up the church. Now, who are the believers who make up the church? To you and me. Because sometimes we can speak so in abstract, the church. But it means to us. To us, gifts are given. 
And that includes the gift of prophecy. Now, nowhere in the Bible does it say that it was only given. These gifts, including the gift of prophecy, was only given for a time. Okay, nowhere does it say that. Some people believe that it was only for that time. You know, that, it was, that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples and they operated in these gifts. But nowhere actually in the Bible does it say that these gifts stopped at any point of time. So let's bring up Acts 2 verse 17. This is the scripture that um, Peter quoted just after the Holy Spirit was poured out on the believers on the day of Pentecost. And then he quotes this scripture from Joel to explain what is happening. And he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on servants, my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now, if those were the last days, 2,000 years ago, okay, how much more 2,000 years later aren't we living in the last days? And can't we appropriate that scripture for ourselves? That God said, in these days, I will pour out my spirit on all my people, on men and women, young and old, employer, employee, leader, saint, like it means it's an all-embracing category. On everyone, God says, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. So prophecy, in its simplest terms, is simply hearing what God is saying to a person, that's individual prophecy, or to his church, that's corporate prophecy, and then speaking it forth. So it can be something about the future. It can be foretelling something about the future. But it can also be something about the past. Or it can be something about the present. Because prophecy includes both foretelling about the future, but that's not the primary purpose, but it can be about the future, but it's also foretelling, simply speaking forth what God is saying about someone or about a situation. Because He's the Spirit that searches all things. So God knows all things. It means the Holy Spirit knows Maria better than she knows herself. He knows exactly her journey, where she comes from, all the stuff in the past. He knows exactly what's in the future. But he knows also exactly what's going on in her life right now and in her heart and in her head. And therefore God can speak about past, present, or future. So who can prophesy? Now if we are saying that prophecy is simply hearing what God is saying, and then speaking it forth, opening your mouth and saying, this is what I feel God is saying. Then strictly speaking, all of us who are believers, who are born again believers, filled with the Spirit of God, should be able to prophesy. Because if you are a born again believer, filled with the Spirit of God, and you have relationship with God, then doesn't it say the sheep hear my voice? He's a God who speaks. He's a God who wants to have relationship. He's not there up in the moon. He's He's close because he lives in our hearts and he speaks and he tells us concerning our day, he tells us concerning our lives, he tells us concerning the church, he tells us concerning other people's lives. So if we are believers, we all should be able to hear God and if you can hear God, then you should be able to say what God is saying. It's as simple as that. So let's also look at 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. This is where Paul's speaking to the Corinthian church and he says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, 
especially the gift of prophecy. Now, that's an encouragement to all of us. To, when it comes to spiritual gifts, we can be greedy. We can say, Lord, I want that one. I want that one. That one. Not to puff ourselves up, but because those gifts are for the service, the serving the church, for building up the church, for loving the church. And in that to bring glory to Jesus, we can say, Lord, I want all of them. Especially the gift of prophecy. Especially the gift to be able to hear God's thoughts and simply say what they are over a person or over the church. Um, let's look at the other one. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 29. Same thought. Mm. Two or three prophets should speak. The other should wait carefully what is said. Let's carry on a bit. Okay, no. Um, but it's a similar, I may have the verse wrong there, but it's a similar thought that we of eagerly desire. And the, the word in that particular context actually means lust after. So it's quite a strong word. Like, that is how strongly Paul encourages the church to, to ask God for the gift of prophecy. So then, if it is a spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit gives, how do we get this gift? Well, think about it this way. If Matt had to give a present to, to his child, Okay. It's not something that his child has to work for. <laughs> gift isn't something that we could ever earn or, or have to work for. Matt is just out of, out of love for his child, child or children. Okay, It's not because his child is good. It's because Matt is good. He's like, I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. I love you, my child. And therefore, I give you, I give you this gift. Okay? So it's, not, it's a grace gift. It's not something we have to work for or could ever earn. It's a gift because God loves His church so much that He lavishes gifts on His church. Like a bridegroom who gives gifts to His bride, you know, in the run up to the marriage, to prepare, to say, I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon. And in the meanwhile, I'm sending you these gifts to encourage you, to remind you that I'm coming. And in the meanwhile, that you can persevere. So, how do we then get these gifts? How do we get the gift of prophecy? Well, we read it just now, eagerly desire, and then just ask. Ask because he's a giver of good gifts. So we say, Holy Spirit, I read in your word that you say I must eagerly desire. So I desire. I desire and I ask, will you give me the, the gift of prophecy? And then in the same way that we receive it, or in the same way that we receive a gift <laughs> um, by faith, we then step out, trusting that we've received it. And so when the opportunity comes to prophesy, then we actually say, Okay, God, I believe I've asked. I believe that you can speak. I believe that you want to speak and that you can speak through me. So, what do you want to say to this person? Lord, share your heart concerning this person with me. How do you feel about this person? Lord, what are your precious thoughts over them? What do you say about this situation? What word of wisdom do you have to share in this situation? Is there a scripture that you want me to encourage them with? Is there a song that comes to mind that you maybe want to sing over them? Lord, is there a picture that I can encourage them with? Share your heart with me, Lord. Share your mind with me. We initiate conversation and then we wait for God to speak and it's good, he will speak. Psalm 139, verse 18. I think I missed this part of the scriptures together very quickly. But it basically says, How precious are your thoughts over me, O Lord. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. How many grains of sand are there on the seashore? God's precious, not his angry thoughts, 
water over, over us. They outnumber the number of grains of sand on the seashore. And that's why we can have a lot of prophecies. Like people sometimes can say, well, seriously, like how often can God, like... <laughs> but God, God's heart is filled with dreams towards you. God's heart is filled with love towards you. So it's not wrong to accumulate prophecies and to ask God every morning even as we wake up, Lord, come share again with me what you say over me. How do you see me? So what is prophecy for? Let's get up 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3. So prophecy is for three things, and I'm going to make it very easy for you now. So it says here, prophecy speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Those are the three reasons we prophesy, and those are the three things that proper biblical prophecy should do. Not health, wealth, and prosperity, okay? Proper biblical prophecy is for strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So strengthening has, is actually the word that is an architectural word that means to edify, to build into a building or build into a home. And that's often what prophecy will do. When we prophesy God's words, you will feel like, wow, I belong as part of God's family. I belong, I'm a role in the church. He's building me into his family. He's building me into his church. He builds into, into your heart, into your character. So it's a building word. It strengthens you. That's the first thing it may do. The second word, encourages. Okay, that word is parakaleo. Now, what does that word sound like? It sounds like a word for the Holy Spirit, parakletos. Now, who is the parakletos? The parakletos in ancient times was a real person. Okay, and when they ran those marathons or whatever around the tracks, the parakletos would be the guy who had fresh legs and always in the last lap or whatever, when all the runners, all the athletes are tired, then he would jump into the race with them and he would start running with them and he would say, You can do it! You can do it! See how far you've come! You're almost there! The finish line is ahead! Carry on! You're doing well! That's the parakletos. And isn't that what the Holy Spirit does with us? And that is another purpose, objective of prophecy. To encourage us, to remind us how far we've come, how well we're doing. And the Lord's saying, keep on, keep it on. The finish line is ahead for the joy set before you. That is what prophecy does. And then the last one is comfort. And the word there is parametion. And comfort isn't to have pity on somebody. Oh, shine. Oh, I'm so sorry that you're having a bad day. Oh, shit, it's terrible. What that person did to you is terrible. No, that is, it's not pity. What this word refers to is to actually take someone from a place of fear to a place of fearlessness and courage. So like somebody who is maybe in a pit, okay, and you're reaching out a hand to them and you're pulling them out of that pit. Oh, shine, God, pit is a big deal. Okay, comfort. So the three words, if you don't remember those words, I always say prophecy has to do these three things. To build up, 
to stir up and to cheer up. Okay, you can remember that. Let's say that. To build up, to stir up, and to cheer up. Okay, that is the biblical purpose of prophecy. If it doesn't do those things, then you can immediately question it. And it doesn't mean that it's always worth it or comfortable for us to hear. In that there may be a correction. Okay, but the correction is to correct you in the Lord, to bring you back onto, onto His wife, you know, to bring you back to Him. Um, so even in that, even it's not a comfortable word for us to hear in the flesh, it's a word of comfort in the Lord, speaking the truth of who He is and what He will do. And then the ultimate aim of prophecy in Revelation 19, verse 10, um, there at the bottom. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So what that means is the spirit of prophecy, the essence, the, the heart of the reason for prophecy, the purpose of prophecy is to be a testimony of Jesus. To testify of who Jesus is, what He has done, what He will still do, who He is today, His nature, His character, what He is like. So prophecy will always bring glory to Jesus. Sometimes it will be about a person, yes, but even in that, it's not, not so that a person feel, can feel great about themselves. But so that, wow, God, you can do that in my life. Like, aren't you amazing, God? So it's always got to point back to Jesus, bring glory to Jesus. So the point isn't to make much of us, but to make much of Jesus. So even if it had to be prophesied over you, God's going to use you in business, you're, and He's going to bring such powerful, influential people to you, then it's not for you to like, wow, I'm going to make lots of money, God's really going to use me in business. No, God's placed, God's going to place you in that position to point people to Him. He's really going to give you influence with powerful people so that you can bring glory to Jesus. And even in that way, so it's pointing back to God all the time, not to make much of us, but to make much of Jesus. Okay. Then one thing I just want to touch on is the counterfeit. Now, one of the reasons why people are often fearful of prophecy is because of the abuse that is often rampant when it comes to, to the prophetic. You know, the thing of, you're going to make lots of money, and you're going to have aeroplanes, and you're going to, you know, all these things that we see, or just, yeah, like crazy kind of abuses of the prophetic, the health, wealth, that kind of happiness thing, that it's just not biblical at all. So that's a reason why a lot of people are fearful of prophecy, or often get hurt by prophecies because of the abuse or the counterfeit. And when I speak about counterfeit, I also include things like, fortune telling or um, you know, tarot cards or running to other mediums calling up the dead or yeah those kind of those kind of things are all counterfeit now here's the thing the fact that there's a counterfeit means that there's the authentic that there's the real thing so we shouldn't just because there's the counterfeit the abuse say no i'm not going close to that thing when we actually see yo, it's a beautiful of the Holy Spirit that God gives to His church to bring glory to Him. So again, the antidote is proper use, not to throw, throw the baby out with the bathwater. And there are three differences between the real thing and the counterfeit. The first thing I would say is the spirit by which we prophesy. So the spirit by which we prophesy is God's spirit. When we're going to prophesy over some of you, no, no, it's not stuff that we know. <laughs> it's not us calling on funny mediums or having read your Facebook post before we come to see, you know, how many kids you have, what kind of 
job you do. It's not by the human spirit. It's not drawing on any of those things because in ourselves, what do, what do we know? But it's saying, Lord, you, the spirit who searches all things, will you come like a torch and come show us, you know, what's in your heart towards this person? What is it that they're struggling with right now? How can we encourage them? How can we comfort them? How can we strengthen them? So it's God's spirit by which we prophesy a pure spirit, a loving spirit, a good spirit. Whereas often, as I say, the spirit by which prophecy happens, if it's the counterfeit fortune telling and horoscopes and those kind of things, or, you know, often it's communication with the dead or whatever, which is actually forbidden for us as Christians. So it's a, it's a different spirit. It's not the spirit of God. Then the second one, which it's different, is the purpose of prophecy. Now, I read to you just now that the purpose of prophecy, according to the Bible, is to glorify God. It's not for the so-called prophet to be a prophet for your prophet, or prophet for his own prophet, okay? And often those people who read the TVs and the, you know, the gypsy caravan or whatever, often it's, you know, for their own prophet. That's the reason they're doing it. You know, it's for their own prophet, it's not to glorify God. Um, and it's also not for us to control our own futures. Isn't that often why people will go to tarot card readers or read the horoscopes? Because they, they want to see what's going to happen in my life. What does my future hold? So that they can plan for that. So that they can control their future. Not so for us. Our future is in the hands of the living God. A faithful and good God. And we can rest in that. So we don't prophesy in order for you to control your future. To make plans. And then the third thing I would say that um, how true biblical prophecy is different to the counterfeit is the fruit of prophecy. And again, we're righteous now. What will prophecy do? It will build up, stir up, and cheer up. Okay? That's the fruit of prophecy. Whereas often when people, again, when people run to these other things, doesn't it often come with fear? Because what is prophesied often is, oh, you're going to die, you know, car crash or I don't know like weird stuff that gets prophesied and often so the fruit of it often is fear and as I said that sense of wanting to take control of my life whereas that is not the fruit of true biblical prophecy which is to bring God glory and to build up stir up cheer up so that's the reasons for which we prophesy and the purpose of prophecy I want to end just with a few thoughts on how if we know on the receiving end of the prophetic word what do we do with it? How do we position ourselves? So the first thing I want to say that prophecy, prophecy is beautiful. As I said, it's who doesn't want to hear God's precious thoughts over them. It's a beautiful gift that God gives to his church. But it is never a substitute for hearing God for ourselves. That is always first prize. We don't live in the old covenant where there was a mediator for us. Someone who had to go on our behalf up on the mountain to go hear what God is saying. No! Jesus has torn that veil. The curtain has been torn. It's been ripped so that we ourselves can have personal relationship with the Father. So that we ourselves can be filled with the Holy Spirit and actually walk in living relationship with Him. So that we can hear what He has to say and we can speak with Him. So prophecy is beautiful, but it's never a substitute for our own personal, intimate walk with the Lord. And so prophecy can be very helpful in confirming something that God has spoken to us ourselves. Um, but the best, the, the best thing is still to hear God for ourselves. I'll give you an example. Um, recently when um, Andrew said there were going to be new congregations and whatever, and I felt something jump in my heart and I'm like, hmm, what was that? <laughs> now you actually pray 
about that. When Milton came up and I, and I took some time and I said, Dear Lord, speak to me. Do you want me to not even join the Milton congregation? I said, Lord, give me a scripture or, Lord, yeah, speak to me. And I really felt the Lord spoke to me and he gave me a scripture. And that was actually, that was actually enough for me. Because I really felt like I heard the Lord. And then I went to my elders and I submitted the word to them. And then actually my lead elder said, and so I threw it out to two of the prophetic people in our church and said, I didn't say to them what, what it was about. I just said, I'm praying about something, not a biggie at all, you know, but just, yeah, just hear the Lord saying something. And it was so beautiful because then the one lady, Sharon, came back and she said, she asked the Lord for clean word, not knowing anything. And she said, she, she just saw fire just turning in the book and she heard the Lord say, he's closing a chapter. And how beautiful was that? Because maybe I didn't need it right now, but as with any church plant, you know, things are wonderful in the beginning and then there are times that are going to be tougher and then you need to know that you're in the right place. And then I have something that I can hold on to. Lord, no, I didn't, I didn't hear you, you know, wrong or whatever. You said and you confirmed that this is the place for me to be. So it's so special to have that confirmation of something that God's spoken into your own heart already. So that's the first thing. It's not a substitute to hearing God for yourself. Second thing I want to say is receive prophecy with an open heart. Take every word seriously, but test it. You'll remember that in the, in the Bible, God spoke to a donkey. Okay. <laughs> so he can speak to anyone. He can speak even to unbelievers. He can speak to someone who got saved to die. He can speak a prophetic word to you. So we don't judge prophecy by the person through whom it comes or the method through whom it comes or... Now maybe the person shouts and we don't like that style. No, we judge it by fruit. Okay? Does it build up, stir up, cheer up? I'll give you some other things now as well. Obviously, someone who's got a track record of hearing God accurately, we're going to put more weight on it. But the point is, God can speak through anyone and everyone. So let's keep our hearts open. But then test it. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 20 to 21. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. So the first thing is, do not treat it with contempt. In other words, however it comes through, whomever it comes, you know, take it seriously, but then test it and hold on to what's good. The reality is, and we don't have to bring up that scripture now, in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 9, we don't always get it 100% right. The word says that we see and hear in part, and therefore we prophesy in part. One day when we're with Jesus, we'll see everything perfectly. But this side we won't. So don't just because the person got one detail wrong and said you've got a boy instead of a girl or whatever. Now you close your ears to the whole rest of the prophecy. Why it? Test it. So how do we test it? Um, three things. It's easy. We're working with threes today. Right. So how do we test it? You know, they set up with a GPS or something to find the orientation point. There's going to be three Three points or something that connects. I don't know, maybe you guys can help me. But, but it's the same with prophecy. Actually, to orient, is this word a good word in the Lord? Is it an accurate word? Could, could this be an accurate word? There are three things that we need to, to check. The first thing is, does it line up with Scripture? Because true biblical prophecy will never go against anything that the Scripture says. So if someone prophesies and says, your, your wife is going to buy a word with you. You know, and, and maybe you should divorce it because God's, God's got someone better for you. You know? Then you know, uh-uh. 
No, that is not, that violates the scripture. We don't just sum a divorce. Okay? Um, then you know, that doesn't line up with scripture, so that, that isn't biblical prophecy. The second thing, does it bear witness with our own hearts? And that's the build-up stir of cheerup. Is there encouragement, a strengthening, a comfort in your own heart as the word came? And then thirdly, we, uh, we wind up with the leaders around us. We take the word to them in humble submission and say, this is the word that's come. How does it sit with you? Particularly directional words, big words about life-changing decisions. I see the Lord moving you. I see you going into a different job. Those things are directional words that ultimately the elders, because they're responsible for direction. And so those things need to be taken to them. We don't just, on the back of a prophetic word, make those big decisions. Practically, it would be good to record a word again so that you can take it, take it back to the elders and you don't kind of miss, you know, state to them what was said. Write it down so that you can go back to it because sometimes the word isn't for now, it's for years on. And then you can go scratch it out of your journal and say, wow, God spoke that 10 years ago already. And then finally, we don't follow prophecy, we follow the Spirit. Oh, that's so important. You know, we, we've, the word says as many as who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Not as many who are led by prophecy. As many who are led by the Spirit of God. So we follow day by day. We follow the Spirit of God. And then somehow we fall into prophecy. And what I mean by that is we carry on with our lives following the Spirit. And then someday we fall into what God had prophesied 10 years ago already. And we're like, wow, isn't God amazing? He knows me through and through. It just shows how personal he is, how knowledgeable he is. He knows everything is in God, amazing, and in that we bring glory to him. If the words are from God, they will come to pass. So hold your prophetic words lightly and cling to Jesus tightly. Okay. That's a crash course in the prophetic. Sorry, Dylan, I, I think I took a little bit more time than I should have. But I hope that gives you some good handles on the prophetic, both in terms of how to give a prophetic word and as we saw, it's, it's for everyone. So step out in your communities. It's a safe place. As long as it adheres to those three things to build up, stir up, cheer up, you can't go wrong. It doesn't need to be a long word. Sometimes even just a word like Jesus loves you can be the most prophetic word that you can speak. So and finally, I just want to refer you to there are some prophetic resources on the Joshin website. We've done a, a course of, of 10 short videos between 10 and 20 minutes with a workbook. So if you want to learn about the prophetic, that's an amazing resource to go to. Can I call my team up? Is that cool? That's what we're here for. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>